So it's Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5 from verse 16. So I'll move Sally up, verse 12. It says, Observe the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither should you, nor your sons or daughters, nor your manservants or maidservants, or your ox or your donkey, and any of your animals, nor the alien within your gate, your gate, so that your manservants and maidservants may rest as you do. Verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now you wonder, why have I read Exodus and I've read Deuteronomy? And what I'm trying to do here is um, to sort of explain what's going on with this too. And I think the first time I read Deuteronomy, I thought, hold on a minute, God has already given this commandment before, why are we seeing it here again? And I think that there's probably a couple of things to, to raise. And I think it's slightly different as well, uh, which I just want to, to flag as well. And I think the first thing to say is that when Moses read out the Ten Commandments to the people of God, then those were basically the guys who just came out of it, out of Egypt. Right? They were the moms and dads who just came out of Egypt at that time. This time round, when Moses retells, which is what Deuteronomy really is, is retelling of the laws, he's actually talking to the sons of moms and dads who actually came out of Egypt. And this time round, they're not at Sinai this time round or Mount Horeb. They're actually by the river of Jordan. Right? They're about to enter. They've not entered yet, but they're about to enter into the promised land. And God, through Moses, reminds them and talks to them about the Sabbath. But I think what's quite different here from what you see in Exodus is in Exodus it says, remember, whereas here it says, observe. And I think there's, it's, it's, there's that, if we look at both of them, you say, remember, where God's talking about creation, he's talking about what he's done by creating the whole world. And observe here, I think we need to look at what, um, what it means. Now, written up there, I said, to remember, the dictionary definition of remember means to keep, to watch over, to bring to mind or to think again. And in Toronto, what we see there is it says to observe, which is to inspect. Um, I think Mary Webster says to celebrate or to solemnize in a customary or an acceptable way. For example, a holiday, probably where the root word holiday comes from. You know, we have Easter, we had Christmas just gone. We had Walk Book Day the other day. <laughs> we have, you know, you've got this various holiday. So really, what you have here is not just talking about creation here, but actually talking about what he's just done, what God has just done for them. He's taking them out of Egypt. He's rescued them out of Egypt. And we see a parallel here with what God has done, because as we know, there is another redemption, right? So we know there's a redemption in Exodus where God brought him out of Egypt, but we know there's another redemption in Jesus where Jesus redeems us. And so what you see here in Deuteronomy, really, is God, just as he's telling the children of Israel to observe, to celebrate to solemnize the customary, in a customary way, in an acceptable way, what he did by bringing them out of Exodus, out of Egypt, God is actually saying to us as well today to remember what he did on the cross. It's amazing we've got the cross in front of us here today. He's reminding us of what, we did on the, what he did on the cross for us. So we live in this world where we're so busy, which is why I laughed when I got told talk about this. We live in a, a world where we're so busy with work, and I know I talked the other day about work. I said work is good. God has blessed work. And that's the world we're living in. And work, and I said, it's not just what you do nine to five. It's more than that. It's all our activities, everything we do. That's all of work. But it's amazing how we live in this world where we're drawn by work. We're drawn by accomplishments. We're drawn by various things. 
And God, what God is saying, I think, to us today is to pause and to look to him, to look to what he has done on the cross for us. Because society and everything else society draws us. We've got this desire in our heart for various things. We want to accomplish this. We want to accomplish that. We've got this task and the other task to do. But God is calling us back to that place where he wants us to look to him. And it's amazing all the words that everyone's been sharing today. We're praying downstairs. It's amazing how God is calling us to that place of worship with him, to that place, to his presence, where we can actually hear from him. Now, when I was thinking about Sabbath, Sabbath is not just a day off. It's not about, oh, I've got a day off. And most of us, if you're like me, when you have a day off, it's not really a day off, is it? I take days out of work, and I tell myself, oh, I'm going to actually go to Sabbath today. I'm actually just going to be and worship God. It never really happens, because you have so many things to do. Even when we close our eyes here and say, let us pray, we're thinking about so many different things. Oh, have I paid that bill yet? Oh, I'm supposed to send that quote back to that guy. I need to do, there's so many things that compete for our attention. But God is asking for our attention. It's amazing how Tom sang that song just now saying, God is relentless. He is fighting for us. He's, he will not give up seeking our attention. And we just need to turn to him. We just need to turn to him. So I suppose I've got this question I want to ask us, and I know I have got, do have limited time, and God just wants me to wants to just pause about this and think to ourselves, maybe share with the person beside us, how do you Sabbath, or do you actually Sabbath? So I'm just going to give us a few minutes just to think about that. How do we Sabbath? Do we actually Sabbath? Do we actually pause? And that doesn't just mean coming to church. It's more than that. Do we actually Sabbath as a people of God? Do we actually take that time to say, you know what? God, it's, it's just you. I'm going to put a watch away. I'm not going to look at the time. Because what we do, or what I do, is I'm on a timer with God in the morning when I wake up. I'm like, okay, God, it's 30 minutes. Now I've got to get the keys ready. I've got myself ready, and I'm going to leave the house to work. And God's on a timer with me. I'm, I'm talking to God. I'm looking at the time thinking, okay, I think we're done here, kids. Go get ready. Let's go. But no, God wants more than that from us. God wants us to give him our complete time. See, he owns time, and he's gifted us time. And he's asking us for, for us to give him of ourselves. So the question I want to ask us this morning is, how do we Sabbath? So let's just spend a couple of minutes thinking and sharing amongst ourselves, how do we Sabbath? And then we'll carry on from there.
30 seconds for round-up conversations. So like, like I mentioned earlier, Deuteronomy reminds us of another redemption. So we had the first redemption of the children of God being redeemed. So the thing about Pharaoh, I mean, I, I did a lot, as you can imagine, preparing for this, I did a lot of reading and I've got a background in theology. So I've, I've read a bit about Pharaoh and about Egypt. The thing is, it's a, it was a horrible place for the children of God. And Moses showing up to Pharaoh has actually made it worse for them because actually Pharaoh got really upset about it and doubled the amount of work this people of God had to do. And they got really upset. And the many leaders amongst them went to Pharaoh and said, look at what you've done. We were all right. I mean, we were, we were suffering, but I mean, it was okay. We, we had a system. But you going to Pharaoh telling Pharaoh, God says, let my people go, you've made matters worse for us. So if you, read about, if you go back and read Exodus, you see all of that there. So it was brutal. And that was how the system worked then. That was how Asian world worked then. And, and what Pharaoh got the people of God to do there was actually to build storehouses and it was just to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. You know, that's how empires have been built, on the backs of slaves, on the back of cheap labor. And that's what they had there with the children of God. It was cheap labor, it was free labor. And they had to, that's what, that's what happened there. It was a horrible situation. And in spite of that, Pharaoh referred to the people of God as lazy. He said, they're lazy, get them to do some more work. In fact, get them to do the work without straws and all of that. See, oh, I see when I read Deuteronomy and I read this particular place, is a reminder of another redemption. Because just like the people of God in Egypt, we too have our own type of Egypt. I have got my personal Egypt, I'm sure you do as well. And we have that in society as well. We have those things that keep drawing us away from God, that puts on that burden upon us. We've got that desire, that pressure. I've got a lot of people I work with who, due to a particular societal pressure, they have to do what they do. They would have given up many, many years ago, but they wouldn't because of societal pressure. Some of us leave a particular kind of life because of societal pressure. What this person will say, what that person will say. That's a form of Egypt, and God's trying to bring us out of that. So what I see when I read Deuteronomy, and I think, yes, Exodus and Deuteronomy both talk about Sabbath. But what I see in Exodus is this whole rhythm of Sabbath where you move from rest to work and all of that, which is fancy and all nice. But what I see here in Deuteronomy, actually, is Sabbath as resistance, Resistance from the pressures of society, from the pressures within us, from those things that keep chasing for our attention. That's why I see that in Sabbath, in Deuteronomy. It's actually God calling us back to himself. There is, um, if you put the next slide on, I don't know if anyone knows um, this guy. Does anyone know him? Anyone seen that face before? He's not a mate. I've never met him before, but I've read a bit about him. Uh, yeah, the one on the left, thanks. That's a good one, yeah. He's clearly happy. He, he looks really satisfied. Yes, yes. Some mummies at the back are saying that. Yes, he is. Yes. So next slide. He is Gary Grant. He's the owner of the entertainer um, toy shop. And um, you may not know him, but you might do. So there's something quite peculiar about Gary. 
um, I call him Gary, I thought he's a mate, but um, is that he has got this thing, this policy, and this company that we are not going to open our store, our shops, on a Sunday. Now, for some people, that's, yeah, that sounds all right. Well, he's a toy, this is a toy company. He didn't start this yesterday, just about over a decade ago, he made that commitment to probably two. And so the store closed, that's just normal. And uh, an interesting thing is, in, back in 2017, Christmas Eve was actually on a Sunday. <laughs> uh, I don't know if anyone remembers, but Christmas Eve was actually on a Sunday. And you can just imagine the pressure he had, the pressure from society actually to, to open on a Sunday. Because as we know, Christmas Eve is a day when everyone, including me, we ask where we do our shopping. That's when I was like, oh gosh, from the office or wherever I am, I'm going to get my last, you know, get those things for my wife and everybody else. But Gary refused to on that day to say, you know what, I'm not opening on this day. And the, a lot of adverts, a lot of uh, papers picked up on this, or so the Guardian, Daily Mail, everyone picked up on it and talked about it. And one of the things they said was, uh, one of the captions was um, that he was going to lose about 2.3 million pounds by not opening that day. So can you imagine? This is 2017, after the crunch. Still tough times. We had Littlewoods closed, we had a few other shops closed. Toys R Us already cr struggling at that time. He's not as big as Toys R Us at the time. But he chose not to open. And I, just, I'm, I was just blown away when I, when, I, when I read about him, thinking, wow. And he said, he said he felt that the right thing to do was to actually encourage his, his members of staff to actually take that day off to rest, catch up with family members, and if they're spiritual or if they're Christians, reflect on God and talk to God. That's, that's, a, that's the policy. In fact, this, this same guy was a guy who, when um, I think it was Little Woods went under, he had a prayer meeting in his office for little was Not that they were going down and saying yes, but actually praying that God should actually help them and help the um, members of staff who are actually going to lose their jobs. So I, I work in business and finance. I see this all the time. I see a lot of companies who actually go down. Sometimes we help with that whole process and trying to stop that from happening. So I understand how horrible it is. And my heart breaks every time I work and I see stuff happening. Sometimes I can't talk about it because it's very confidential. No one knows about it, but we know that we're trying to rescue this company. So I completely understand. But Gary chose to pray, not that, yes, God, I think this is a miracle for me, actually. I might be able to steal this store and that store and the other store in the nicest locations. But no, praying, God, help this company. Help the employees. Let me find better jobs somewhere else. But yeah, so Gary chose not to. And, and, and the thing that I, I, I think about when I, when, I, when I read this article was, hold on a minute. People, the media is saying he's lost 2.3 million pounds. But if I hold on a minute, if you not had something... Have you actually lost it? I'm not quite sure. How does that work? If you've never really had a 2.3 million pounds, then... So then again, I kind of thought, I don't know, these guys clearly don't know what they're talking about. So you have that there. And then the, other, the next slide is, is in America. You, you probably people heard about this, those who've been to America. Um, they also, back in the 70s, chose not to open on a Sunday. And, um, and they just, just carried on that way. And God's blessed them. And they, they've just been growing. I think the problem with things like Sabbath, the problem with actually taking time out, to focus on God is we feel like we're losing out on something else. We sometimes feel like it affects our productivity. We feel like, oh, if I just spend this time with God, gosh, that means I can't get that paper out. I can't get that document over to whoever. Oh, I can't really get to see my grandchild. But what happens is God blesses and God honors that thing you're doing. The fact you're spending time with him, he blesses you. And that's what he's done with Gary. So we know we've heard about a lot of shops closed, but they're still going strong. They don't open on the Sunday, but the entertainer is still going strong. Every time I go down to the mall, I see them still, still thriving, doing well. The other thing as well is he stopped putting, or he doesn't put, allow um, Harry Potter stuff in there. He doesn't allow Halloween-type toys in that place because he just had this strong conviction that he thinks 
just leading kids into witchcraft and all that stuff, so he's not happening in this store. And I was like, yes, go for it. This is it. This is what we want. We want people. God's calling us to be people of conviction, not convenience. Not people who are like, oh, I think this is okay. I will do this. God's calling us to a place of conviction, which I think he has. And he's got a lot to lose. But he's chosen to follow God, to, 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 to rely on God. And the, the thing, the thing I, 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 whilst reading this, I was thinking about the Sabbath some more, and I was reading, um, as I do, <laughs> business journals and the rest of it. And I, I discovered in a Business Insider, um, some business analysts saying that um, um, closing on a Sunday, actually, is a good thing. <laughs> they said, um, it gives employees a chance to recharge. It creates a sense of community. And the funny one over there was an and scarcity amongst customers. And so the idea was well, the fact that customers can't go in on a Sunday, obviously they'll be all there Monday morning festing to get what they can get on a Sunday. So there's that economic, uh, the economic ha um, handle there around it. But, and I laughed about it, but that's so true. So even the business analysts are saying that it's a good thing. You know, you look into the medical journal, I read in the medical journal, um, I read the, the, an abstract uh, in a medical journal um, the other day, and it says that um, Sabbath, Sabbath keeping provides it several holistic health benefits. It enhances self-awareness, improves self-care, enriches relationships, develops spirituality, and positively affects the rest of the Sabbath keeper's week. And I thought, wow, even those guys are saying this stuff. How come we are not actually doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah, Scientific America says the same thing. It says mental breaks, so it's pausing, actually stopping from that activity, whatever it is you're doing, increases productivity. So these are the scientists saying this now. This is not just a church saying this or a preacher saying this. It's actually these guys who got a lot of empirical evidence to prove this. They're saying that it increases productivity and it replenishes attention, solidifies memories, and encourages creativity. So we see all there. We see it in the scripture. We see actually in the world. We see that in the journals, the medical journalists saying this. We see it in the business analysts saying the same thing. And I think, really, God's calling us to that place where we realize that it's him, it's all about him. And so, like I said, Deuteronomy reminds us of another redemption. And I was speaking to Giles just when he said, do this, he said, um, uh, I think he mentioned something about Jesus, and I smiled, because the first thing that came to my mind when I got told this is what you're doing, is I just thought, hold on, Jesus is our redeemer, Jesus is our Sabbath. And that's the last place I just want us to quickly look at, and that is in Matthew, Matthew chapter 12. The story there talks about, uh, and we probably know this story about Jesus um, and his disciples on, um, on the Sabbath, walking down uh, a path and picking, um, they were quite hungry, so they picked um, a few um, ears of corn and they ate them. And you had these Pharisees, these Sabbath police people around the place who basically said, hold on a minute, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. And Jesus said, replied to them and, and actually spoke to them about it, reminded them, took them back to what happened to David and the, and, and, and the bread in the temple and said, in the end of that, in the conclusion of that in verse 8, he said, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So yes, there is the point about stopping, pausing, ceasing from work. There is also, if you're not doing that just because it's the right thing to do or you've got a health benefit, but because also because of Jesus and what he's done for you. To realize that, because there are people who rest, but actually they don't really rest. I don't know about you, but sometimes I sleep and I wake up and I still feel tired. Oh, I go on holiday and I come back and I'm trying to book the next one straight away because I feel like I didn't rest during that holiday, even though I took two weeks off work. But a true rest is Jesus. And I think that's the point we're trying to highlight here today, that true rest is in Jesus. And in that same Matthew, if you just go up slightly up there, in verse 28, he says, he makes his invitation. 
So in chapter 11, verse 28, this invitation here, it says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's that invitation. Isn't God amazing how you're going through scripture and you're seeing it scattered everywhere. God talking about rest everywhere. You see him calling you back to himself. I don't know if the band want to come back and, and start playing whilst we, whilst we reflect on this some more. So there is this invitation for rest. Now, when, when I first read, when God drew me to this place, I thought, hold on, this is all the thing you say to people who are non-believers, non-believing, saying God calling you to rest. But God's like, no, this one I want you to tell my people. I'm calling them to a place of rest. I'm calling them to come to know me as their Sabbath. And it's interesting, we've got a cross right in front of us, and some of us have probably done this already. Some of us are going to take the, 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 the black ribbon and tie it to the cross. And I think it's quite symbolic today of us saying, God, actually, we're going to lay all our, we're going to lay everything before you. We're actually going to just rely on you, Lord. We sang the songs earlier. We, we've prayed the prayers. We've had the prophecies about this same thing, about relying on him, about making him the center, not the sideshow. No, making him the center of everything we do. Because that's when it becomes meaningful. That's when we actually make an impact. That's when actually we see him glorified, when we make him the center. We live in a very convenient, all right society. Most of us, middle class and all of that stuff. Sometimes we want for nothing. But God's saying, hold on, I want you to humble yourself. I want you to actually put on that guard and realize that it's all about me. I was speaking to someone the other day about the coronavirus, and I said, isn't it amazing how, in spite of all our knowledge, all our the scientific proudness, everything else we've got, in spite of all of that, we still don't quite understand what this thing is. Doesn't that just show you how like, God is trying to say something to us, that, hold on a minute, I'm the all-knowing, I'm, om- om- you know, I'm the omniscient, I know everything, but you don't, you're limited, you're finite. finite. But when you look at things happening in the world, sometimes people can't find an answer to it, so you realize that, hold on, we know someone who's got an answer to these things. He's all-knowing, we are not. We're one sickness away from realizing that what we have is nothing. We're one phone call away from realizing that what we thought we are, it's not it. And so relying on what we have or who we are, who we think we are, is not it. It's realizing and relying on him. That's what matters. Our true identity is in him. And that's where we find true rest, in him.